Hey, you. Yeah, you, the one listening to this podcast right now. I'm guessing you tune into Docs Outside the Box because taking control of your career is really important to you. Now, our sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development, they have a team of experts that are ready to guide Docs just like you through today's job landscape. They've also got exclusive access to hundreds of positions nationwide. So whether you're looking to dive deeper into your specialty work or let's keep it real, you're trying to find a healthier work-life balance, it's important to start the conversation with them right now. Contact them at info.psdconnect.org forward slash docs outside the box. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. Listen, welcome to Docs Outside the Box, where we're going to talk money, mindset, and mission, all the things that we think you need to consider when you're trying to live the life you deserve. But I'm also joined by who I think to be my co-host. <laughs> I think, should I call you Dr. Jada Dark? Don't start. You got the new haircut. You looking kind of different. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Dr. Jada Darko, welcome yeah. to the show. Hey. <laughs> Boy, don't get yourself divorced up in here. <laughs> Everyone. So um, obviously people who are listening, they can't see. But if you're watching on YouTube, Renee's got a new hairstyle. So A new haircut. Whatever you call it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. No, you don't. You don't like it. No, I. You're at, so I, I'm saying do I like it versus do I prefer it? Okay. I like it. Do I prefer it? No. I liked how it was before. I know you liked how it was before. So, yes, this is Dr. Renee, by the way. Dr. Renee is my name. Dr. Jada. <laughs> Man, that could be a whole different episode. That Just could the, be a whole... The dynamics yeah. between Jada Pinkett as well as... Will Smith. Oh man, that is I don't even know where to even like Well, I don't comment that. on people's relationships in public cuz I don't want people commenting on mine. So Yeah, it's true. That's true. We shouldn't start here, but yeah, it's just cuz the reason here. I brought it up because I'm watching his show. Um it's I forget the name of the show, but the ty- the show is basically about him losing weight mm-hmm. after King Rich after King Richard as well as writing his memoir. Right. Well, and it did a really good job of just going through the whole like psychology of where he's at and who he is as a person and the person who we thought he is, he was starting from him being a rapper all the way to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm-hmm. then into you know two thousands and where we see him now. Yep. And it's definitely a big difference of who we know him to be versus who he wants us. To think of who he oh, is. Oh, of course. Right? There's like two separate things going Absolutely. on there. So I, I found that. the show really interesting. And I think he's it's done a really great job of making me want to buy his book. Because I'm going to get his book and read it. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I haven't seen... Uh, I haven't Best seen Best Shape of My of Life. That's the name is of it. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the series or the memoir or whatever, the documentary, whatever it is. I haven't seen it. Um, but I've, I've definitely heard you talk about it, um, with, you know, with our nephew and things like that. But, um, you know, for me, you know, me, I'm of the belief that it is not normal to be famous. Yes. You've I said think that. You've I've said, said that, that multiple times. Yeah. Um, it is not normal to be famous and I think it can be very actually abnormal, um, to be famous. Not just that it's not normal, but it, it can be very abnormal not to be famous and it can you know, potentially lead to a lot of abnormal things. And so when you are famous, you know, you always, 
you're always on and you always have a persona that you're trying to, you know, put out there for people to see. And if you don't have that persona, then what does that do for your image? What does that do for the money that you potentially can make? What does that do for your career? The roles that you can get, um, the songs that people write for you, like it just affects your entire life. And so it's very interesting that he's putting that out. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that he's very different than what, you know, people would see because what we see is a, I think what we see is a character for, right. for many, if not if that, all celebrities. If that's, well, for him specifically, that's what he's talking about. He mm-hmm. says exactly that this is a character that he's put on since mm-hmm. childhood, really. Mm-hmm. And he talks about some things that have happened in his childhood between his mother and his father, the relationship with him and his father that's kind of created this, this persona of trying to make people laugh, mm-hmm. really. And that's mm-hmm. where it all comes from. That's where it starts. I'm trying to make people laugh. The reason I'm bringing it up also is that we just finished uh, presenting or having our presentation go for Dr. Brent Lacey. He had the marriage and money uh, uh, summit mm-hmm. for his... Um, you know, for his entire brand. So yep. the Marriage and Money Summit was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, Dr. Brent Lacey was on this show several episodes ago, and he hosts a website called The Scope of Practice. That's also the name of his website, or excuse me, the name of his podcast, excuse me, right. The Scope of Practice. And it was great. Yeah, you know, and, we were a part of it. We yeah. participated as... Are we putting up a facade? Let's keep it real, everyone. Are we <laughs> no, up we, well, just to finish with Dr. Brent's uh, uh, summit, but we were, you know, we presented about our, you know, our own marriage, our own, you know, money issues. We talked about IVF. We talked about a bunch of stuff. So, um, the summit actually, I think, is still available. Yeah, it's still um, available as of when this is going to be when this podcast episode is going to be coming out. So, um, you can still go to his uh, website to to you know see the summit there, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was a question that I had, right, is with all of these people now being social media influencers, podcasters, vloggers, all these people, right, they may not be famous, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not putting on facades for people right like are we putting on a facade that's what i was about to ask you I was like are, i think we might right? be putting on a facade right you think, because you think we're putting on a facade but that's the whole point of having this podcast versus going on to someone else's podcast and you're speaking for maybe 30 minutes or 40 minutes like mm-hmm. how real can you get right that's right? the thing how real can you get so for me you know i think that it's really important to um tell our truth mm-hmm. but also at the same time be succinct with that Right. Well, and, of I, and, and I think that the other thing, too, with us is like we're as real as it can get. Right. Yeah. Like, but that's, very... that doesn't mean that it's a facade just because we're succinct. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, be, putting off a facade, I think, is literally creating a character and saying, OK, I'm where I would have done this. I'm going to do this instead. And I'm going to do this instead, not because this is what I want to do, but because this is what I think I have to do in order to get the audience to do X, Y, and Z, i.e. to get the audience to laugh or to get the audience to agree with me or to get the audience angry or whatever reaction that you're trying to get from the audience. I think that's the facade. So with the whole issue of a facade, I I think I agree with you. I do agree that. Well, look, so for us, I think 
and that's going to lead into our next conversation. Okay. Okay. So I think okay. definitely, like when we first started talking about how we're going to pay off our debt, how we're going to budget, like there was a lot of arguments between us. Not a lot, but I, there I was. I would say that there were a lot of arguments, me. But I think when people talk about it, they say, okay, yeah, we decided to pay off debt and then that's it. Right. And then that mm-hmm. kind of scrubs or kind of cleans that notion of, okay, well, listen, you actually brought in some debt from student loans. You also brought in some IRS debt. Mm-hmm. Then I brought in student loans and then I didn't have IRS debt, but I had a rental property debt that I brought yeah. in also that was more than your IRS debt. Mm-hmm. And the discussion was next, well, well who, whose debt do we pay for first? But then right. we also had a car that we both, you know, got and who's, who do we pay for first? So that right. was a contentious issue more so on your part. Oh, my part. Because you weren't Team Darko at that point. What? You was, Get out of here. <laughs> you were not Team Darko. You're like, oh, you got to pay off my IRS debt first because blah, 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 blah. They're going to take my shoes. I'm like, all right, <laughs> whatever. They're going to take my shoes. <laughs> did I do a good job of representing? Did I represent her right, guys? Did I represent no. her right? Yeah, I did a good now, job. You putting on the facade now. <laughs> They're going to take my shoes. <laughs> no, we did. We did. We had... I remember we had one major, like one really major argument about money um, around the time that we were trying to decide what we were going to do with the debt. And um, I, for me, I remember, I remember that that was the only major argument that we actually ever had around money. Because one of the things that I always say about you and me is that, you know, it's funny we don't really argue about money much. We we don't. like, And a lot of money, even though we weren't married in med school, we had a lot of money go between us in medical school, right? For different reasons. We had a lot of money go between us in medical school, you know, whether it was, okay, I'm buying lunch, you buying lunch, you know, you help me out with this, help me out with that. Like, but we never actually ever had an argument. Oh, you owe me, or no, you asked me for this much money the last time. I don't know about we that. I was we like, never you owe did. Me money. I want my money. You want your money? I said that to you a couple of times. Really? <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so. But uh, <laughs> no, so now I'm putting up the facade. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, it's um, it's it's just very interesting to see what's going on. Um, you know, just kind of in general, Will Smith obviously is is putting everything out. Well, what what looks to us to be everything out on Front Street and. Um, you know, I think he's just making it real for people to see that, listen, it's it's abnormal to be famous. I agree with you there. Hey, listen, we are going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about that age old discussion of can you invest as well as pay off your debt at the same time? Here's a tip when looking for your next job. Understand your strengths and weaknesses. For example, if you've been practicing for a while and you know you have a problem with closing charts, then it's important that you find a place that's going to help you have administrative help, right? So there are plenty of options when it comes to your career in medicine. But just like every patient is different, every physician has their own personal definition of success. And that's where our sponsor steps in. Provider Solutions and Development doesn't bring just one answer for all. They are recruitment experts focusing on who you are before helping you find what you're meant to be. So whatever you're ready for next, they'll help you find it with no quotas, no commissions to get in the way. So 
Even if you're looking for a more collegial feel at work or just, heck, a more healthier work-life balance, they can help find the right fit for you. So reach out today at info.psdconnect.org forward slash docs outside the box. And we're back. Hey, guys, listen, let's, let's jump into this whole discussion about paying off your debt or having debt, paying it off and not being able to invest at the same time because we don't believe in that. And what I've seen from a lot of people on social media, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, there are a lot of prominent people who are talking about why would you pay off all your debt and not invest mm-hmm. without being as nuanced as possible. And look, this is social media. There is no space for nuance. But I wanted to clear some things up because I think a lot of times people may think that me and you, when we paid off our debt, all we did was pay off our debt. Right, right. Which is farthest from the truth. Right. So why don't we jump into our thoughts on investing, our thoughts on investing while you have debt, some of the calculations that we did, and even some of the emotional yeah. you know, components that you can't necessarily put out on an equation, on a calculator, and so forth. So why don't we jump on what we did. So everybody who've, who haven't heard this story before, me and Renee, when we got married, we decided to combine our money or combine our income as well as consider her debt and my debt, our debt. And the reason we did that is we felt that as a team, we could tackle our debt better as a team. And also at the same time, if she trusts me with taking care of the children and I trust her vice versa, why can't I trust her with her money and why can't she trust me with money? Basically, that's what I right. always say. So we decided to combine our money, right? And in terms of just student loan debt alone, when you combined everything from federal and private loans, that totaled out to $662,000 of student mm-hmm. loan debt. And then not to mention on top of that, so we were close to the 850-something ranges. Mm-hmm. I had uh, $850,000 of, or excuse me, I had a, an additional $175,000 mortgage on yeah. a three-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath. It was the bomb townhome and <laughs> right outside of Atlanta that I got in 2006. Yeah, We're going to talk about that. What happened with that in a different episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also your your IRS debt was was over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, actually, we've never actually in, included that. Um, but that was paid in off. Any of our talks? Yeah, that so was. So we're talking off. about close to about nine hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars of you debt. Think about it. Yeah. just erased. That's like this is probably the first time or one of the first times we actually ever mentioned that because honestly, it was something that truly I had forgotten about. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So. That I forgot about that debt, but that's one of the the debts I think that we never actually put out there that we paid off pretty quickly. Yeah, we we paid it off. So we probably close to a little bit less than a million dollars that mm-hmm. we just cleared off in terms of liability, yep. debt, whatever you want to describe it. We took it off of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by five years into the into the marriage, the yes. student loan debt we took out of the we took out in terms of three years, mm-hmm. but. You know, let's let's jump into it. Let's talk about why we decided to pay off our debt as opposed to invest in real estate, invest, um, you know, whatever we did. Let's just talk about our plan. So the first things first is I think that we had to realize what our student loan debt was, mm-hmm. right? So we had to find out where your student loans were located, where my student loans were located, what the interest rates were on yeah. each one. And once we finally realized that, wow, it came up to almost seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, that was an extremely sobering moment. Something yeah. that carried with us for a long period of time. 
Yeah, I just remember, I do remember that. Um, you know, I, so it's funny because I remember the feeling of not knowing at all what my debt was, where my debt was, like really just not having a, a grip on my debt to the complete opposite feeling of, holy crap, I got a lot of debt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now I married this guy and he got a lot of debt. And we both don't know how to pay it off. Right. And we both don't know how to pay it off. And yeah, you know, we're physicians and yeah, you know, we could make a good salary, but I just don't see where this money is going to come Yeah, from. The, the salary and the, all of that stuff didn't mean anything to nope. me. I actually looked at it as a disappointment. I was just like, man, we have all of this debt. Yep. And then the next thing we did is we looked at our bank account and we were, for the next three months, we actually tracked how much money we brought in versus mm-hmm. how much money was going out. And we were realizing that we weren't saving yep like on our own we weren't saving yeah and our money was just going to things that we consider now to be not that important mm-hmm. right so our money was going to a very expensive whole life insurance uh whole life plan that we didn't understand at the moment and that yep. we didn't for us we did not need at that moment mm-hmm. our money was going to a very expensive disability insurance mm-hmm. for you and for me our money was going willy-nilly out the window spending on food groceries fast food mm-hmm. and then you know we would help out our family which would make us proud but i don't think we were really accounting for it in yeah. the way that we should be accounting for it exactly and then last but not least we really weren't saving um, but the thing that we were doing though at the moment was we were investing into our 401k plan yes each of, each of us was yeah. at least to the point where we got the match right i think i was doing a little bit more but i think you definitely did it at mm-hmm. least until you got the match yeah yeah i mean i think that that was probably one of the smartest things that we did but you know what's really funny is that even though that was one of the smartest things that we did i for me anyway at that time before we got serious about Where's the debt? You know, what are we going to do for investing? I don't think I realized how important even that was, right? To, well, you know, you're going to put money in this 401k. Like, I was clueless. For me, I was just like, okay, well, you know, put this money in the 401k and that's it. Yeah, it's more than just like putting the money into the 401k. It's like, well, what funds do you want to invest in? It's like no all of clue. these different things that they yeah. you just have no clue. And that's why sometimes, you know, people think like, well, why do you say that whole thing of like, what's the difference between an athlete who's never had to write a check before mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they become a millionaire or even, mm-hmm. you know, quadruples of that, right. you know, exponentially. And they become a business, essentially. And, and they become a business and then all of a sudden they have a difficult time managing yeah. money. Well, how's that any different than a doctor who has never had a job before or yeah. maybe just had one job mm-hmm. and then go from that to, okay, the next 10 and 15 years, you're in school, you don't have to really make financial decisions and mm-hmm. now it's like, okay, well, what kind of funds do you want to invest mm-hmm. in? How do you pay off this debt? Like, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Right. I barely know how to write a check. Right. Um, so, w- I think one of the things that we realized early on, I think, which was an advantage for us is understanding how 401ks work. Right. So, I'll give you guys an example. If you're making $10,000 a year, this is just for an example, example, say, but (laughs) if you're making $10,000 a year, when you invest in your 401k, let's say you decide on a yearly basis to put $1,000 total into your 401k for the entire year. What that does is it decreases the amount of taxable income that you have. So to the IRS, you no longer make $10,000 a year that they can tax you on. You now make $9,000 a year. And then that money, that $1,000 is in a 401k plan 
It's growing. It's investing. And then when it's time, when you get to a certain age, then you take the money out. And yes, you may have to pay taxes on it. So we realized very early on that this is beneficial for us because you have a two-physician household and we are in a very high tax bracket. Whatever we can do to decrease that, we're going to do. Yeah. And you'll hear sometimes people call it sheltering your income as well, right? Right. Yeah, they'll call it sheltering. Protecting your income, sheltering your income, you know, things like that. But yeah, like you, you know, that was a notion that I actually had no clue about, you know, before we really started on this journey. I had no clue. Like, yeah, again, it, for me, it was like, okay, I just put my money in this retirement because that's what people say you're supposed to do. Right. And and the whole thing, yeah. too, is like, well, you're. I knew at this point that people said, when you do a 401k, make sure you get a match because there's some free money that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So I always knew that we needed to put at least enough to get the match. And what that means for folks who don't understand that is, is if you put a certain amount of money into your 401k, your the business that you work for, the hospital that you work for will put the same amount of money right. up to a certain point into that. So if you're putting in $500 a month, depending on the rules and so forth, they may put an additional $500 in also. Mm-hmm. So now instead of investing $500 a month, you're actually investing $1,000 a yeah. month. Now, this is a very oversimplified example, right. but I'm just giving you right. guys the concept to understand it. So that's what we did. Right. Right. And then mm-hmm. the other thing that we did also is we didn't know how to start an a independent retirement account. No. But our financial advisor helped us understand how to open one. So we opened up a traditional IRA at the time. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think the maximum that you could put in was 5500 Yeah. Per year. Yeah. So if you do 5500 divided by 12, for us, it really didn't, it really made mathematical sense to go ahead and do that because it did the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So now, you know, the same thing. You have a, th- a $10,000 well, now what you're doing also is you're decreasing your taxable income by whatever that equivalent is by putting your money in a traditional mm-hmm. IRA, another form of sheltering. So we were very keen on understanding that, whoa, if we don't do any type of decisions, if we don't make any other major decisions, I think the most important thing is at least maximizing the ability for us to decrease our taxable income right. from the very traditional standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was a very new concept to me. Um, and it might be a new concept to people who are listening. Um, so don't, you know, don't feel bad. Don't feel like, oh, my gosh, like if I don't take notes right now, like I'm, I'm never going to get this. No, you, you know, the information is out there. We talk about it multiple times. But, you know, it is something that kind of, I think, takes a little bit of getting used to, especially if especially if investing is very daunting to you. Um, if the notion of saving for retirement is kind of like, eh, but that's so far away, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, but <laughs> when are you going to save for retirement? When is that money going to actually be saved? Because if you're thinking about it being so far away, then the question is, all right, well, how much are you going to have to work getting closer to retirement to be able to save that much money? Exactly. So the example is, is if you started investing in your 20s versus if you started, you know, investing in your late 30s. 
the example always shows that if you started in your 20s, you can put a lower amount Mm -hmm. consistently in your account and you will not only reach the same amount that the person who started in their mid to late 30s started investing, but that person in their mid to late 30s may have to put in a larger amount also. Mm -hmm. So the whole concept of compound interest, which is the eighth wonder of the world, which is what Albert Einstein said, Mm -hmm. that's where all of that stuff plays in. Right. That's where all that stuff plays in. So the thing that I really want to let's jump into this whole notion of extending your debt payoff to get things um, that you can pay for. So basically what I mean by this is, is, you know, if you're trying to pay off debt or if debt is important to you, Mm -hmm. paying off debt versus maybe I should buy a real estate property. Right. Or maybe I should put a larger amount in an investment like a VTI or VTSAX or crypto or what have you, because the returns on that could be better than the returns or the interest that I'm gaining on a loan. Mm-hmm. And I have my thoughts on it, but what say you on that? Well, I think it depends on what your goals are. I think it depends on how comfortable you are with whatever it is that your money is doing. Um, when we were paying off our debt, for us, it was very uncomfortable to have the debt. That, that I think, was the overarching theme for us was this debt is causing us a lot of discomfort. Can't sleep. Can't sleep. Um, thinking about how we're going to pay it off. Thinking about where we're going, you know, what our options um, of where we're going to live, you know, are going to be. How we're going to work. How long are we going to work. I think that, for us, was the overarching thing. And so we decided that paying off our debt was going to be our priority. Now, we didn't stop investing. Right. We just didn't invest as aggressively as we are right now. So, you know, when people are like, well, why would you pay off your debt um, when you can invest all that money? I'm like. Because I'm, I want to feel comfortable in my own skin. Right. And everything, <laughs> and guys, the, I the think way, that's okay. guys, and w- when we're describing this to you, this is literally like the reason they call it personal finance. You've probably heard this already. It's because it's personal. So for us, personal was incorporating the emotional aspect of having this large amount of student loan debt and starting off as new newlyweds. We wanted that out of our system. The other thing that people don't take into con- context is, is we already told you that handling money was relatively new to us, mm-hmm. right? Ha- handling a large amount of money was relatively new to us. So we felt like we needed to exercise that muscle and use that muscle of being diligent with our money. So we had to start budgeting and we realized that, listen, the best way to do this is, yes, let's continue to put money into our 401k, at least to the match. Let's put money into our IRA. We can do that without much stress and without much, you know, we're doing it on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time now, we let's get our emergency fund. For us, it was six months of expenses only. So we calculated our expenses, including the minimums on our student loans. Mm-hmm. Right. So just in case anything happened, we included that in our minimum expenses. Right. And we, we got six months, and then once we got all of those things in line, then we said, okay, let's try to slam our debt as much as possible, and let's do this consistently and be able to stay within budget right, for food, for miscellaneous, for travel, and then continuously on a month-by-month basis put in the same amount, if not more, right. into our student loans. And the other thing, too, that I want to mention is, I don't know if you want to jump, if you want to talk about this, is the budgeting software that we used, right? So the Mm -hmm. budgeting software that we used allowed us, if we had like $1,000 to budget, it allowed us to budget all the way down to the cent. 
Right. And what that does is it allows you to know exactly where all your money is going. Mm-hmm. And you realize, yeah, there's a power in having like $300 left over that you can put into an additional student loan payment, yep. right? When you go and you log on to Sally Mae, Navient, or whoever is holding on to your, your student loan, and you see that $300 of interest get tacked on, then you start to realize, man, I probably should take that $300 that I yep. haven't budgeted out and put it into my loans. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Remember that time? Remember that time that we <laughs> we went on and looked at our loans to see how much in uh, interest we were paying. Yo. Do you remember that? You ready for me to tell my description? But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Yo, we need to, we, we're gonna make being, a video about that. I was pissed off. No, like seriously, I was pissed off. I was like, this is really messed up, yo. Like I took out X amount of money. I took out X amount of money to be able to pay for medical school, for my education. And now y'all telling me that I owe this much more every single month and the much more that you're actually charging me is actually more than the principal that I'm paying? Everybody, there was months. I'm like, yo, that's messed up. There were months where it was like two G's of interest. That was just like, are you yeah, crazy? That's that's my two G. So the way how I describe it, I think I describe it the best. So I always say, tell everybody this. Listen, if you want to talk about how bad our student loan debt was and how I looked at it in terms of the interest hmm. on on either a daily or monthly basis, here's an anecdote. Imagine waking up in the morning before you go to work, driving to the local gas station, going to the ATM machine, put your money into the ATM machine, take out whatever amount. Let's just say take out two thousand dollars. Right. If you could take out two thousand dollars, go back into the car, get onto the highway, open up your window and just make it rain right out the window. Just like that. Yeah. Because that is literally the same use. Yeah. The same thing that's happening with what you're doing with letting money rain out the window is the same thing that's happening yeah. with your interest. Just right? going to nothing. It's, it's not doing anything for you, but making your your debt, you know, more. And for me, that was so. Yes. It, 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 that's exaggerating, but no, it's the truth, though, that right? That pissed me off. Man. It pissed I, us off. I was like, this, "That's wrong." Like they literally are just taking your money. Just because I understand that there's a cost to borrowing money. I get that, right? I get inflation. I get overhead costs. I get all of that. But I'm like, that's a lot of damn money, right? In a month, like there's no way that. This is keeping up with inflation. I'm like, I'm sorry. This got to be like, this got to be times more than inflation. I don't know. But like, for me, I just felt like I borrowed this amount of money to be able to get my education. And I don't understand why I'm paying so much more now because you just are running a business and I got to I gotta foot the bill for that? Well, the other thing too is is that people will say, well, your interest rates are... So listen, guys, we went to med school in the early to mid-2000s. We were able to consolidate our loans at 2%. That's a portion of our loans, everyone. Yeah, I that was be only very, a portion. I want to be very clear about this. It. This was a portion of our loans. Yeah. There was another large, significant portion of our loans that was above 10%. Yeah. Right? So when I'm telling you there's like $2,000 a month Interest charges yep. in our account. That's a true story. It's true. And that's for one person, guys. Yep. One person. Right? So we're talking about, for both of us, probably like yeah. $3,000, $4,000 yeah. of interest. This ain't no facade, No, yo. man. Th- that, this is real talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny as hell, actually. <laughs> we need to use that as a real. 
AL. We need to use that as a rule. Real. But listen, so we're talking about almost four grand in interest possibly but for total of us. Total of us. That's just going to nothing. Yeah. Right? So that's why for us, you know, the personal finance, the personal mathematics for us is an emotional one as well as a mathematic one. Yeah. Right? So for us, we wanted to make sure that we got debt out of there as quickly as possible. When you do the math for us, like that amount of money is like three shifts for me maybe. Mm-hmm. Right? And when I do a shift, my shifts are hard. Yeah. Right? And I just know already, well, I, this shift that I just did right now is, is just for student loans. <laughs> That's a very disheartening <laughs> and, feeling. And, and a big portion of that is interest. See, you see here, this 18 hours I just did, that's for the interest. <laughs> you the, know, remain, the remaining six hours is going to be for the principal. Who works for that? Think about all the st- Think about all the stress you're going through, right? <laughs> Patients are, you know, they're not doing as well, or maybe they're doing whatever it is. And then yeah. the next morning, the Monday, mor- Monday morning quarterbacking, fighting with, you know, patients possibly, yep. fighting with the C-suite, fighting with your partners, yep. all of that, just to pay for insurance yep. or just to pay for interest. Yeah. So for us, you know, we knew at an early time that we really wanted to take that out of our, out of whatever equation. Just take that out of our universe. Out of our universe. So that's why we decided to pay that off. Off. And that's why it was really important for us to be very consistent yeah. in our budget as a line item that this debt was going to be prioritized over everything yeah. else. But I do want to reiterate again what you said that that was our story because it was personal to us. There are people who are fine with having tons of debt and it being at a low interest rate and or you know, just having tons of debt and then being able to invest their money, you know, in real estate, in VTI, VTI, VT, whatever, all the things that you say, right? So that's personal. For us, that's our story. That's right, our right. And I agree with you. But the reason I'm mentioning that is I think there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are struggling to even be consistent with paying their student mm-hmm. loans. So for me to sit here and tell you, well, you know, don't pay off your student loans if it's below a certain percentage. Just go ahead and get real estate or go ahead and get uh, this index fund or whatever it may be. Because, you know, the, like it, to me, I think that's irresponsible. It's like, look, develop that uh, that muscle, that muscle memory of making sure that that line item of paying off debt is great. You may not have to do three years like we did. No, but maybe I mean, be just consistent. Pay, yeah, just be, be consi- consistent. Try being Absolutely. consistent maybe for three months or for six years or six months. And then afterwards, you're like, you know what? I'm paying off my debt. I'm really making, we're making really good headway of our debt. Yeah, you know what? They're talking about getting a, a, a rental property or they're talking about getting something else that can bring me a rate of return that's better than my student loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Right. So that it doesn't feel like you're like you're literally trying to run before you walk. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. No, I yeah, I agree with that. I think definitely there there has to be a consistency. There has to be a habit, right? You have to build this habit, form this habit of just just paying in general. Um but I think there's also the notion that you have to be very mathematical with it, which which is what one of the things that you mentioned. You have to be mathematical and you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, I've been paying for six months. Let me just go and get this rental property. Like You have to do math because you know who's doing math? The bank, the lender. They doing a lot of math. And that's why you paying what you paying because they done did the math. Okay. Word up, yeah, word up. <laughs> and now you paid the bill. You paid the bill. You paid the bill. Hey, Renee is addicted to TikTok, and no. she got me on. She got me on this guy on TikTok who every he tells these crazy cockamamie made up stories, and every one of those stories, I swear, 
ends with, I paid the bill. I paid, I the, paid the bill. bill. <laughs> I paid the bill. Crazy, crazy. But listen, let's transition to real estate real quick because we're talking about that. Let's transition to that. So, folks, we put in our offer and it got rejected. <laughs> yeah, it got rejected. So, it's okay. Um, but it was a property that we did the mathematics on. Go back to our previous episode of me and Renee. You can listen to, you know, some of the mathematics that we did. But listen, it's uh, it's okay. You know, this is part of the process. You know, Houston is a hot market, right? And this property that we're looking at, there was multiple offers. Mm-hmm. Umberto, remember, guys, we're using Awning, this online platform that makes it super easy for busy professionals like us, as well as busy professionals, maybe someone like you. To go ahead and, and and purchase real estate property, we have focused down on the Houston property. Low key, they just actually opened up for Florida. Oh, okay. So they're doing business in Florida. So awning awning. On, okay, let's see how Florida. it goes. But let's okay. get H Town done first. Um, but um, yeah, so we put in an offer. So what I found out from Umberto is actually we were in the top two. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we were in the top so we two. Were close. We put in about ten k over the asking amount. Yeah, because Houston is a hot market apparently right. and then a lot of the properties are actually going over they're they're coming in at over asking price um so we had to put in a little bit um over what the asking price was yeah, and you know one thing that people ask too about awning is they ask us is this like completely turnkey no it is not a turnkey solution it is literally just making it easier for you to identify understand you know the work mm-hmm. mathematics behind how to get a property well explain to them what turnkey means so okay. turnkey means you buy a property it's ready to rent immediately there's no repairs that need to be done whatsoever right. and actually like there's a renter who's already in there already um, all of the things that are necessary to get this property um uh, up and, up and going and yeah. rented is all set and ready for you when you purchase, right? Mm-hmm. This is not that. And that's not what we're looking for, actually. Right. And, so, we, and there are some properties that are, but not all. The, so the properties them. that we're looking yeah. for are properties that can go up in value, mm-hmm. right, if we put in some renovations. So um, one thing I like about the um, one thing I like about the platform is you can see what work needs to be done, how much possibly it can do, mm-hmm. and what the after repair value is. Right. Um, but look, back to this this situation, we we got rejected. So we're going to look at more properties and go from there. Rejected. So I've had a whole bunch of people reach out to me and say, like, how is it going? So that's why we wanted to let you guys know that we're still um, using this awning platform, which I like. Yeah. But, you know, we got our first offer rejected, but it's okay. We, yeah. You know, we will um, put in some more offers and go from there. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. All right, guys. So listen, it is now time for the sign out. Okay, so remember, the sign out is something new that I started. But remember, the sign out is an opportunity for us to let you know what we're consuming, reading, whatever it may be. And we think that you need to know the pertinent positives or the pertinent and most important things from that to take away from this episode. So listen, there's something that you saw on Instagram or on social media about entrepreneurship. So you want to talk to us about that? Oh, yeah. You didn't think I was going to bring that up, right? Yes. So listen, listen, okay. He wasn't ready. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I am not opposed to people working nine to five or a W-2. Okay. I'm not opposed to that. But what I am opposed to is people trying to make entrepreneurship seem like it is so damn difficult that pretty much nobody can do it. So I saw a post by some social media influencer who was like, yo, to all those people who got a nine to five, um, basically stick with your nine to five because, you know, 
It's rough out here in these entrepreneurial streets. You don't need to be doing this. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And I was just like, wow. So that's what we're doing. Like, we we are really going to just, you know, discourage people from working for themselves. We're going to discourage people to from working for themselves and instead go and work for other people who are working for themselves. Because that's, that's essentially... Right. What a W2 is. Right. Like if I have my own business and I hire you and I say to you, listen, don't start your own business. It is hard, but you need to come work for me. Then essentially I have hired you to come and work for me when I'm working for me. (laughs) Right. So basically, you you know, what, what she's saying is there needs to be some nuance. Right. Yeah, because like you can't just entrepreneur- put that out there. Entrepreneurship gets uh, a lot of. Um, it gets a bad rep. Well, it's not as a bad rep as I think. A lot of people act like entrepreneurship is very easy, and then you'll see people on planes with nice watches, or you see people with nice cars, <laughs> or you'll talk about people entrepreneur. I'm going to be an entrepreneur for myself, and I think what the sentiment of that is is just saying that you know it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult, and, and and guys, we have to say as entrepreneurs and as physicians. It is difficult to create right. something on your own and to create a system and you know, and learn how to get paid for and it. And learn how to get paid from that. Right. And we struggle with that every day. We go back and forth with that every day in a positive sense. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, just for me, I just feel like people should – you shouldn't discourage people you know, from doing things just because it is difficult, right? And I'm going to tell you, as somebody who was discouraged from becoming a physician because, oh, well, you know, you're not doing well in chemistry, you know, just don't do it. I'm like, so whenever we encounter something hard, we're just like not doing it. Because if that's the case, there would be no docs outside the box. Right. There would be no audience for docs outside the box. Because guess what? You know what's real hard? Mexico! Residente! <laughs> okay. Guys, she talks like this all the time. Those are hard. And so for me, I'm just like, so we're just going to discourage people. Now, listen, if you don't want to be this an entrepreneur. supposed to be the sign out. If you, well, I'm signing out. <laughs> Obviously, I, listen, Catrice, if you listening, tell him this is how I do. I did sign out in residency. Please tell him. All right, your sign outs are too long. Come on, no, get well, to the point, guys. Okay. Anyway, my, my point is, my point is. That if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, that's one thing. But for me, I think I don't think that you should be an entrepreneur discouraging other people from doing what it is that you're doing. Because what you're basically saying is that I have greatness and you don't. I can I can persevere and you can't. And I, I think that that's wrong. That's what's up. I appreciate that. My thing is really simple. I'm just going to leave you guys with this one notion. This is what I say to everybody who asks me about starting a podcast, everybody who asks me about a whole bunch of different things of what I'm doing outside of medicine. And I just say, just start. Doesn't matter if it's perfect. Doesn't matter, um, you know, whatever you think you want it to be in terms of it's being perfect, it's not going to be perfect when you first start out. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, whatever it is, podcast, vlog, blog, going and doing locums on your own, or whatever it is, just start. Because one time you do it versus not doing it, one is greater than zero. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast and there's something that you're struggling with and you're not sure if you should start, listen, it doesn't matter. 
doesn't have to be perfect. Just get out there and start. One thing, the reason I bring that up is we are trying to work with our studio where we're trying to get the lighting correct. Yeah. And it's a struggle. It's, it's a struggle. I put it on Instagram at drneedarko.com. Or sorry, at drneedarko's, particularly on Instagram. You can see what we're doing with our lighting situation. It's not perfect, but we're trying. And you know what? We don't let it stop us from still putting yeah. out something on YouTube because we think the value of you seeing us talk Maybe we have shadows here and so forth. It doesn't matter. Um, we think that is way more important than not recording. Yeah. So for what it is. So listen, guys, my sign out is whatever you want to accomplish and you're nervous about it and people aren't supporting you about it or you just feel like you feel like you're in a silo. That's what Docs Outside the Box is for. Mm-hmm. We're here to support you. And listen, just go ahead and start. Are we the pariahs in medicine? Uh, We might be. <laughs> we might be. We might be. But there's a bunch of other priors that are with us also. Good. Yeah. Pariah City, here we come. <laughs> All right, y'all. So once again, I'm Dr. Nee, and this is... Dr. Renee. Thank you again for listening to Docs Outside the Box. Listen, this is where we discuss the money, mindset, and mission that you need to do to get yourself the life that you deserve or the life that you've always wanted. We're going to catch y'all on the next episode. Listen, if you want to be a part of our group, what's the thing that people need to do, babe? People need to text the word podcast to the number in the show notes. And what would that do for them? That will allow them to actually be a part of your texting community, which we are going to get up and running in the next couple of months. So if you join now, you'll be very, very early in the in the texting community and um, you'll get a few nuggets, if you will. And listen, podcasting is still where it's at. Podcasting is a great way to talk to your community. Podcasting is a great way to build a community. Podcasting can bring you some money also. So listen, if you want to start your podcast, I recommend you try 10 Steps to Podcasting, my course that I took forever to create, but it's a self-paced online course where you can learn everything that you want to know from podcasting from A to Z. Make sure you check out Docs Who Rock the Mic. No, Docs Who Podcast. Is it Docs Who Podcast? This is why I'm the business manager and you're just the talent. It's in the show notes, everyone. (laughs) Docs Who Podcast. Make sure you check that. All right. We'll catch you on the next one, y'all. Peace. Peace.